Hello, and welcome to Remember the Film, the podcast where we ask, what is life? It depends on the liver. I'm your host, Jeff Grizz-Ulrich, and I'm joined as always by two excellent, excellent men, Hugo Panay and Josh Bradley. How are you gentlemen today? I'm good, Jeff. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm I'm isolated in my room because everyone around me seems to be getting COVID. But more importantly, I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't break out into a full Bollywood number to intro the show. <laughs> I was kind of expecting it. And now, I don't know, my energy has been brought down a little bit by that. His well, piano's in the shop. My say. piano's in the shop. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I, I used well, to have a piano and then uh, I, I was never playing it. So I, we gave it to my brother so that he could never play it. <laughs> right. That's what you good, usually uh, do with pianos, I mean. It's a good um, like um, thing to hang clothes on. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> my niece loves to sit at it and then just you know bang on it, and you know that's good for a couple that's of minutes great. of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so anyways, this week we are talking about a a, a, a Indian film called Andadun. And uh, thank you for pronouncing it for me because I did not know how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, and I, I'm still give, not give, positive give, on that. <laughs> give it to me again, Andadun. Andadun, okay. Yeah, I think. That sounds right, sure. Uh, sure. Which is different from how <laughs> Not... I originally thought it was pronounced, which was and had hun. <laughs> That's how I've been doing it in my head, because I need to remember how to spell it, I so spell, every time I look yeah, for it on Netflix, and had hun. It's very easy to spell <laughs> phonetically. Andadun, okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this week, but it's been a few weeks since the three of us got together to talk movies, uh, so we're going to do what we've been doing on recent episodes, where we talk about what we've been watching, and usually it's what have we watched in the last week, now it's what have we watched in the last <laughs> month? <laughs> three weeks, month? It's yeah. like three weeks, it's, it's been bad. like three weeks. Yeah. So, uh, Hugo, you want to kick us off, bud? Um, okay, I'm not going to go through all of it, I kind of didn't even write down all of it, because it was too much. Um, I've had a lot of alone time like because of isolation and and other stuff and just like everything being shut and you can't really go places right now in Italy because I mean it's not shut but you shouldn't I just love uh, that so Hugo's been talking about isolation a whole bunch and the lighting in his room is very dark right now <laughs> yeah like you yeah, locked yourself away <laughs> I'm yeah I'm in a bunker actually this is this is just a fake background if you look that way I'm just in some bunker underneath the ground um so yeah um so I'll start by saying that I, I did watch a few uh, recent movies. I, I watched, obviously, The Matrix Resurrections twice. I loved it. Let's, let's not get into discourse about that movie because it's been so horrible. <laughs> but I had a great time. And I understand that it's not for everyone. But it's kind of exactly what I would have wanted from a Matrix sequel. Um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was awesome. If you want to listen to me talk about it, I, I did an episode of La- Large Popcorn about it. Shameless plug. Um Large yeah, popcorn podcast it. hosted by Christian Macias. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Friend of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also watched West Side Story, uh, which I despite Spielberg me... or OG. No, 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 Spielberg. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I no, was, no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't going to watch both. That, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> that's too many musicals for me. Um, yeah. So despite me not being into musicals, I don't know. I think just on a. I think narratively, I didn't really care all that much but in terms just of visual visual and and the way everything is put together it's just it's just Spielberg at his best it just looks incredible every number is so well organized and shot and choreographed and I don't know it 
I thought it was incredibly well made, even though it's not my favorite Spielberg movie, just because I'm I'm not necessarily that into the genre. But I thought it was great. Uh, it's you guys so have both good. Seen it, right? It's, I haven't it's seen it yet. So so good. I've seen it twice I, in theaters. I, twice. I really want to see it, and I've you know I but it, I wanted to share it with my girlfriend. I wanted to take her to to go see it, uh, and she has not seen the original West Side Story, uh, and and despite really loving uh, musicals. She's not that excited about the idea of going to see this one. And so like mm. we, just, we just haven't gone to see it. Like, no, no, it's going to be great. It's, it's Steven Spielberg. It's West Side Story. You're going to love it. And so you're, yeah. you're both going to love it. Yeah, it's it's so good. I, I can't believe she hasn't seen it yet or that you guys haven't pulled the trick on that yet. We've been pretty busy the last few weeks. <laughs> sure. Fair. We all have. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and I know some people, most people I've heard talk about it have agreed with what you guys said that it, it's very, very good. But I don't know too many people who say it's among Spielberg's best. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I think it's among his best in the last, like, 20 years. Oh, okay. I think. You know, among his best. not Maybe not his, his number one, but... I mean, I, I put this up there um, against his I, I really like. I really like the post. I have a weird... For some reason, I really, really enjoyed the post, which... I think a lot of people kind of saw it. I was like, oh, that was good. I really but enjoyed I, the post. I really, really <laughs> like the post. I mean, for some reason, so it really he, worked for me. So his 2002 was Catch Me If You Can in Minority Report, yeah. which I'm not going to yeah. compare these to West Side Story because awesome. those are two of the yeah. best. But like starting the clock there and saying the next 20 yeah. years after that, you know, I, I ride it's... from Munich. Sorry. I love Munich. I love Bridge of Spies better than like, mm-hmm. you know, I would put this up there with those. Maybe not up there yeah, with yeah, Munich because yeah, yeah. Munich's, Munich's crazy good. But this is this is really, it's really, good. really, okay. really well, good. I really, really I, liked it a lot. Regardless yeah. of whether or not I, I convinced my I girlfriend agree. to go see it, I am going to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes so it's, it's excellent it's also like really worth seeing in theaters if, if absolutely safe and you're able yes because like, it is a, like it, the visuals of it are a large part of why i think at least personally it's great so um and also the sound obviously is fantastic um then to begin the year i i decided to watch train to busan uh the korean zombie movie fantastic uh, little action movie i really enjoyed it and then the day after i was over at my dad's house and just randomly we put on this movie called Unstoppable, directed by Tony Scott, uh, with Denzel. Really fun movie, fun little movie. And then one of I was Tarantino's like, okay. favorites, by the way. One of Quentin Tarantino favorite. love he he loves I mean, Unstoppable. Weirdly, randomly he he loves Unstoppable. Yeah. I can see why. It's a really fun it's a very dad movie, but it, it's fun. Um then so I was like, okay, fine, I'm gonna continue the meme I'm, and I'm gonna watch a third train related movie to begin the year. So I watched Murder on the Orient Express. Which Ooh. had been me- the the new one as well, not not hmm. the. Not what did the you think of that one? I thought it was fine. Like I I think murder mysteries are always fun for me because I just really enjoy it as a genre. I yeah. had read the book as a kid, so I knew where it was going. Um, but I thought it was n- not incredible, but uh, but a fun time. Yeah, I, I thought it was very fun. Uh, I was, yeah. I don't I from the trailer, I think I was expecting a little more from it. But it was still a really good movie, and of course, it's tough to yeah. top that kind of story. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then I watched uh, four different movies that uh, because Christian, uh, I challenge, I, I, I wanted him to get into Twin Peaks, and because I, I think he would really enjoy it, and and in in exchange, I told him, oh, just give me a list of fifteen movies that I'm gonna watch, and so I watch something you suggest, and you watch something I suggest. So I've, I've been watching some stuff that he suggested. I watched Pi. Francis Ha, The Lobster, that are movies that he suggested. Those are three great, really, yeah, great suggestions. Really, really great movies. Uh, I, I particularly, p- 
particularly enjoyed Francis Ha out of those three. I thought you might, because, yeah. Yeah, just because it kind of fits into my uh, general mood, I guess. Um, also my favorite outlook, of those three, yeah. Outlook yeah. on life. Um, then I watched Joint Security Area, uh, one of the early Park Chan-wook movies. Oh, okay. Um, it's a movie about sort of a murder that happens on the border between North and South Korea and, and how sort of this investigation around it risks escalating tensions. But it's really a movie like about friendship. It's very hard to explain what it is, but I thought it was excellent. Um, and finally, I went to see Scream, the, the new Scream movie, and, which Woo! I really, really enjoyed. It's yeah. I think it's my second favorite Scream movie. Um, the original just cannot be touched, but... But it never I will really, be. yeah, no. But I had really, really had a great time. Um, and then the day after that, my girlfriend tested positive. Uh, we, we went to see the movie together, so I don't know. <laughs> That's so you know, news she was news. patient X for a whole bunch of people. <laughs> she was, no, the ghost I mean, got her sick. <laughs> yeah, the theater, the theater was completely uh, empty. It was just us two and a couple of other, of other girls that were quite far back. So remake the opening scene of Scream 2 where instead of Jada Pickett Smith getting stabbed to death at the premiere of Stab it's your girlfriend getting COVID at just the giving of COVID everyone yeah yes. pretty much pretty much yes. <laughs> so yeah that was the whole bunch of movies that I watched what about you guys well Josh Chris? you can go next oh, I guess I'll, I'll go in uh, please yeah uh, so I have actually not seen as many movies since Christmas as I would have expected myself to do because usually around the holidays I end up watching all of the Harry Potter movies and then something oh, nice. will trigger me to start watching all of the MCU again. And uh, this year I managed to not get sucked into that wormhole of rewatching <laughs> movies that I've uh, I've seen a thousand times. Uh, so stuff that I watched since the last time we recorded. Uh, just a couple of days ago I watched Bell, the uh, new uh, Mamoru Hosada uh, movie. Uh, yep. Uh, it was good. It's, it's a take on Beauty and the Beast, and I did not know that going in, and that's and it's fine that you know that. Uh, I'm not spoiling anything with that. Uh, but it, it was really fun, uh, really great music, and it was absolutely beautiful, but there's some problems with the story on that. Overall good, though. And then I, I saw Encanto, finally, uh, which mm. was another movie I had been saving to watch with my girlfriend, and then it exited theaters, and we never saw it, and so then it finally came to Disney+, Plus. so we watched that. And that was really fun. Uh, one that I wanted to talk to you guys about was Being the Ricardos. Uh, hmm. What's which, that? <clears throat> I actually don't know what that is. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is the new Aaron Sorkin movie about uh, oh. uh, the Isle of Lucy. You know, Lucille Ball. A week in the production of the show, right. Isle of Lucy. A very important week in the production. <laughs> of i love lucy uh and it, it was good but i think uh, i'm starting to see some of the cracks in aaron sorkin's directing that his writing can no longer yeah. save for me uh yeah. <laughs> and i haven't watched the movie yet but I've, I've i've heard that from a lot of people yeah i i just think uh i think it was it was it was very good but i am pretty certain that if it had been directed by someone else then that would have only elevated sorkin's writing uh mm. And I, so, there, as much as I love Aaron Sorkin, I would like him to go back to focusing on just the writing, and we'll put someone else, you know, in the director's chair going forward. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched. I think I just said this. I haven't watched *Being the Cars* yet. I watched the first half hour over Christmas, and then I—that was two weeks ago. And I haven't finished it yet, which might be indicative. That's of, a little telling. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> 
it wasn't but I, I would was, watch it like this week. It wasn't that this it was awful. I, think I, I enjoyed it. It was good. But it, yeah. you know. I, I think it might be the next thing I watch, so I might watch that today or tomorrow, possibly. But, I mean, it's 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 probably going to get nominated for Best Picture. Like, Nicole Kidman will be nominated for Best Actress, so... And that she might deserve. <laughs> but it, the movie, I don't think, is Best Picture worthy. So I will, you know, because I do my Best Picture nominee YouTube videos every year, I will probably have to talk about that movie at some point. <laughs> Kevin, can you get away, dude? Uh, for those watching on, on, on YouTube, you can see my cat Kevin making a cameo in the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I also watched Matrix Resurrections, and I I, I thought it was very good. Uh, you know, I don't know what the hate's about. Like, okay, we're not going to get into it. Uh, don't look <laughs> up. I, I watched that, which I kind of expected that uh, at least Hugo would have watched, uh, given its very obvious political commentary. You didn't. You didn't want to watch Don't Look Up, Hugo. I don't know. I, I feel like I've been hearing contrasting stuff, and then I, I heard the director saying, oh, if you don't like this movie, you don't care about climate change. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Do I need to see this right now? Then my dad called me yesterday. He's still, you know, quarantined with COVID. He's fine. He's He hasn't had any bad symptoms. But he called me yesterday and was like, oh, you have to see... Because I gave him my Netflix password a few days ago, because I was like, oh, you're isolated. You know, we should share this. Why? There's no reason why you shouldn't have a Netflix account. And... He was like, oh, I looked, I watched Don't Look Up. You have to see, this is the best movie in the last 30 years, he said. So I was like, sure. Okay, then so, I, I have to see this just to see what, so, why my dad loves it so I'm going to disagree with your dad. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> Me I'm, too. I'm probably going to disagree. I disagree with my dad's movie takes all the time, but it, I just thought it was funny that he said that. But I, I, I think that whatever you think about the actual quality of the movie itself, the topic, the subject matter, and some of the humor surrounding it, I mm. do think that you would enjoy Hugo. And uh, Josh probably right. would as well, because there's some legitimately humorous stuff to it. Uh, but uh, it uh, it has a stellar cast, so I you know, I was a little disappointed overall, because it, like I, I don't know how you don't deliver a masterpiece with the cast they had involved right. with that. Um, I also watched The Power Meryl of the Dog. Meryl Streep plays the president, correct? Correct, yes. That's that's yeah, that's perfect casting, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, the power of the dog. I, I, I got around to that one, uh, and Josh and I talked about that being uh, a obvious Oscar best picture. You know, probably one nominee. of three or four movies that has a, that has a chance for best picture winning right now. You know, uh, I'm not so sure what chances are, but yeah, I watched. What you think of it? I I I don't think I would say it's my favorite picture. Uh, of of last year i thought it was very well made and very well performed and the ending in particular is very subtle and delivers a very powerful ending that you like you're kind of like oh oh that's what happened <laughs> i can't remember if i've said this on mic yet but like i didn't i didn't understand what what happened in the final 10 minutes and it wasn't until after the movie was over, I pulled up an interview with Cody Smith McPhee, and the first question in the interview was in reference to what happens in the last yeah. 10 minutes. And I was like, wait, that happened in the last 10 minutes? I, I just watched it. I didn't know that happened. So That's, that's how my, subtle it is. That's my worry, is that that ending is is almost too subtle that I think that a lot of people will overlook just how significant that ending is. I put it on myself. Like I think I should have been able to connect the dots, but you know they don't hold your hand. What happened to me was like I'm not going to spoil it for Hugo, uh, but in the credits, yeah. like it was the movie had ended, and I was in the credits, and I was thinking like, wait a second, oh, <laughs> so like it wasn't <laughs> until like the movie was over, and then I was like thinking back on it, like, oh, I get it now. So I, I do recommend seeing that one. But then my two favorite movies of 
last year. I watched like back to back on New Year's Eve when I was isolating with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, Come On, Come On, the Joaquin mm. Phoenix uh, movie. Mike Mills. Yep. And The French Dispatch, which ultimately was my favorite movie. Yes. Released in 2021. I love The French Dispatch. So awesome. beautiful. Classic Wes Anderson. Uh, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in my in my letterbox review, I I wrote that it's the most Wes Anderson movie that has ever been Wes Anderson, <laughs> because it really is. Yeah. Um, I love that movie because it. I feel like you don't even have to understand every, like so many things go on, and I don't think you even have to understand what actually happens. Like you just kind of settle into what it's, it's showing you. It's and a vibe. Once you do, it's just a great <laughs> time. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I really love that. Uh, what, what have you watched recently, Josh? Since we probably hit well, most real of quick them. on the, <laughs> Real quick on the French Dispatch before I get onto my list. I think that, like, I thought it was really good. I get I, did, I, I liked it. I didn't love it. However, with the caveat that pretty much every Wes Anderson movie I've ever seen, I needed, like, maybe three viewings to really start to dig into what it was doing. Where, like, mm-hmm. the first viewing, I'm like, oh, this is really pretty. And then the second or third viewing, I'm like, oh, this is actually devastating. Yeah, hiding behind a pretty facade, you know, like Grand Grand Budapest kind of wears that more on its sleeve. It's more overt in how it's devastating, but like all of his movies are pretty emotionally devastating, oh, yeah. even though they seem kind of um, detached on the surface. Yeah, yeah I uh, just want to say the reason I loved it is because uh, well, one of the reasons I loved it is because I Wes Anderson directs movies in a similar way to I think Aaron Sorkin writes them in that like there's. Uh, an assumption that the person watching it is just going to have to keep up. Right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I respect that. Like he's, he's making the movie the way uh, he envisions it with no, it doesn't seem like he has any concern for whether or not you actually follow exactly what he's doing. And that's like he said, so, sometimes you have to rewatch these movies. Like I watched Grand Budapest Hotel a couple of times. And it, the second time I watched it, the, it was much more emotionally impactful. And I loved it the first time. <laughs> yeah. And I want to watch Rushmore now. I'm going to watch Rushmore this weekend. Um, <laughs> me, stuff I watch. So o- older stuff. Uh, I watched The Holiday with my wife. Uh, good movie. I watched Lethal Weapon for the first time. What? Doesn't hold um, up. It doesn't hold up. Uh, I, I had high expectations. Like, I, I understand that it's, like, kind of the originator of a lot of tropes that I enjoy. So I can't really, like, hold it against it for seeming I'm kind of, like... I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also like, also like, it's it's one thing. I mean, Mel Gibson has. A, there's a lot of reasons to not enjoy watching Mel Gibson on screen, uh, you know, outside of the movie itself. But also like, it's weird that he was ever like a sex symbol in the in the mid '80s. And like, I don't know, yeah. it's hard to like wrap my head around. Uh, there's layers to me having problems with this Mel Gibson character and performance. Um, and then I watched uh, the Piano, which was the mm-hmm. like Jane Campion's most famous movie. And she's going to probably win Best Director this year for Power of the Dogs. I'm like, let me check out the piano. Uh, I was underwhelmed by the piano. However, I was also underwhelmed by the Power of the Dog on first viewing. And on second viewing, I think it's like one of the three best movies I saw last year. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'd feel similarly about the piano if I watched it again. Um, the last like older movie that I rewatched was The Iron Giant. Uh, Katie, former guest, uh, my current wife, <laughs> has wife? a... Uh, <laughs> Has been like former guest, current wife, you know, current and future wife, um, and past wife. Um, we don't we don't watch as many movies together as like some of my other friends and their significant others. So we, Katie and I, made a deal where I, I have a list of movies that are they're important 
it's important to me that she sees them at some point. So we're just kind of like, and and vice versa. So we're just like kind of knocking our way through that list. And the first movie that we watched was The Iron Giant. And uh, she cried. So that's good to know. She's not a robot. She's not a robot. Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, Newer stuff. uh, I watched No Way Home. On my birthday, I went and saw No Way Home with my brothers and Katie. And it was really great. That Uh, sounds fun. It was really fun, dude. Also, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this was my birthday. My 32nd birthday. <laughs> we went to Red Robin, <laughs> saw a Spider-Man movie, and then me and my brothers played Wii Sports and Mario Kart <laughs> until 5 a.m. drinking beer and whiskey. Is this 2006? So, or? so I'm, I was either turning 32 or turning 14, but with booze. But either way, it was a great birthday. So that Spider-Man. great. Um, I watched Don't Look Up. I think I liked it more than most people, but also, like, my biggest question is, who is this for? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I, I feel like you're... I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, it's okay. I watched Matrix Resurrections. I think it's awesome. Hugo, um, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I think it's really good. That was what I was also, thinking the entire um, time I was watching the movie. I was like, I'm just so happy for Hugo right now. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I liked, I liked the first half a lot more than the second half, but I definitely want to watch it again to kind of like, now that I know where it's the, going and everything. I feel like the second half is a little overwhelming if you're not as in deep to Matrix lore as someone like me is. Like, you, if you've seen the sequels a lot, you've seen the Animatrix a few times, it, it all makes more sense. But I feel like that fir- the, those first, like, 50 minutes of the movie for me were perfection like like the movie isn't as great as the first one it's not even close to as great as the first one but those first 50 minutes for me are just exactly what a matrix sequel should be in in 2021 well i think it's definitely trying to do different things in the first one yeah and then the second or third one and like once you kind of see what it's trying to do like that's maybe why this the second half didn't land as much for me it's kind of i didn't i wasn't clear in what it was trying to do but like yeah. that's why i kind of watch it watch it a second time knowing where it's going um real quick uh we we've talked about what films to remember we want to do moving forward next week is my pick and uh not to spoil it but watching the first half of matrix resurrections i'm like oh my god what a great pick for me for my next film to remember it's very very apropos given the first hour of matrix resurrections we can talk about that okay. next week though in more detail um uh, I also watched West Side Story twice uh, in theaters. Um, man, uh, I know he, we already talked about it already, but wow, it's it's so so good. And I actually uh, I rewatched the old one like kind of this week uh, while I was half doing other stuff. And um, I, I was never like I don't have much of a relationship with the old one, but the the, the Spielberg one is like as someone who doesn't have as much of a relationship with the old one, I think Spielberg one is a massive massive improvement, and that might be sacrilege. For, for some people to hear but you know as a guy who's not as familiar with the old one this new one's just like so clearly clearly better um in in a number of ways uh Higo you said you weren't like drawn as much like the story mm-hmm. I think I think the new one fixes a number of story problems from the original in terms of like pacing in terms of the romance uh it's more dramatic it's more romantic uh it's more tragic like everything is Ramped and they kind of just did that by moving I mean, they moved some stuff around and restaged a few songs such that, like, different characters now sing them. But, like, every change they make, I think, is a massive improvement. So, West Side Story, go see it. It's awesome. For me, story-wise, sorry. For me, story-wise, with West Side Story, it was, like, the individual beats were all great. 
and then but then the way they connected to each other felt always like there was a beat missing i don't know it's hard to explain it's i think it's a similar issue that i have just with many musicals where oh they meet and then five minutes later i would sacrifice my life for you and the day after it, it this whole grand thing and i understand it's romeo and juliet i get it but yeah i feel I like that, that, <laughs> no i understand that but i feel like that allegory when romeo and juliet was written is completely allegorical and it's it's so distant that i don't feel that disconnect with it but because west side story is essentially set in in an, in a real setting that i can relate to in some ways that that sort of skipping beats of emotional development it just kind of it felt too rushed make yeah it makes me lose investment in 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 the emotional arcs of the characters even though i think the individual parts are absolutely fantastic. Well, and of course, in Romeo and Juliet, the idea of, you know, a, a couple meeting and falling in love and, you know, and getting married right away is, of course, that, I mean, that's how a lot of marriages were done. It's like you met for yeah. the first time it, on your wedding yeah. day. Like, <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, so a lot more feasible in that time. So I can see why you'd get, uh, have some hangups about that. What were you, what were you going to say, Josh? Well, two things, like not to put on my English teacher hat because I'm not an English teacher, but like, I think some people, Romeo and Juliet is like a cultural touch point for love stories. And like, some people mistake it for a story about true love. And it's not a story about young love. And like, they're kind of idiots for falling in love as quick as they do. And like, that's comp, like that's in the text. You know, Mm -hmm. how Romeo and Juliet ends is a result of them being rash and, you know, um, irrational and emotional and that kind of stuff. Um, But also like, not I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying that a lot of the complaints about the original West Side Story is in the romance and in the Tony and Maria characters. Uh, they are way less interesting than like Anita and Bernardo, for example. Yeah. And like that's that's kind of I felt that, exactly that's enough. tough. That that that's mm-hmm. tough. And like in the new one, their romance works way better, at least for me, because of the way that Spielberg stages certain sequences, how he stages their meeting, how he stages tonight tonight. Like I buy the romance more because it's like. I'm I'm brought in more by the filmmaking, and also Rachel Zegler is a fucking revelation in that she's movie. So and like, she and is like so she's, good. I mean, like, all respect to Natalie Wood, but like, holy crap, Rachel Zegler was like the second you see her on screen, you're like, oh my god, that's a movie star, you know? And like, mm-hmm. Ansel Elgo, uh, Ansel Elgort does what he can, but like, the Tony character has always been a really, really big weak spot of the show, is my understanding at least. So you know, it is what it is. He gets cancelled out when they sing together completely because she's just so yeah, good. yeah. Well, that's I'm, that's okay with me. Um, <laughs> other new other new stuff. Uh, I watched The Lost Daughter, which is on Netflix, and uh, we'll probably get Olivia Colman a Best Actress nomination. Um, written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal on her directorial debut, oh, wow. um, and it's it's really good. Uh, it's it's kind of um, if you're a mom, it might be pretty anxiety inducing watching The Lost Daughter, but uh, like an uncut gems level of anxiety inducing. But uh, I thought it was very good. Um, I watched Coda which premiered at Sundance like a year ago at this on point Apple and it's TV, right? uh, on Apple TV plus and that'll probably get nominated for best supporting actor. I imagine for Troy Kotzer, I think his name is um, extremely charmed by this movie. Coda stands for child of deaf adults. And it's about a girl who has deaf parents and a deaf brother, but she's a hearing person and she like gets into her high school choir and that kind of stuff. So, you know, conflict ensues. So uh, you, and it, you enjoyed that one a lot. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think that like, it's not really reinventing the wheel. It's a lot of stuff you've seen before. Not really that surprising, any of the story beats, but, like, it's extremely charming. 
And like, I laughed out loud multiple times. I teared up multiple times. Not a whole lot of movies make make me do both on multiple occasions. So I give it credit for that. But yeah, really enjoyed Coda. That's, that's been on my list for a while to, to go back and watch because it you know came. It out was on, it was on my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was on my list for like nine months, and I finally got around to it because again, like Oscars coming, it could get a screenplay nomination. It'll probably get a supporting actor nomination. Um, yesterday I watched Drive My Car, which is um. It's a movie at Japan, and uh, it's one. It's like the sixth movie ever to win the L.A. Film Critics Award for Best Picture, the New York Film Critics Award for Best Picture, and the National Society of Film Critics Best Picture. Only like five or six movies have ever won all three, and all of them were nominated for Best Picture. It was like Goodfellas, Schindler's List, The Social Network, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, Drive That's My Car's nice. good. It's just, you know, yeah, it's quite the list, but, you know, it's good. It's just a, you know three-hour, extremely understated, you know, internal character study kind of thing. It's good, but, uh, you know, it's... You don't think you it's going to be for it's, everybody? It's, <laughs> it's not going to be for everybody. No, it's it's, it's kind of right dense. Mood. It's kind of dense, but it's good. And then I also, last night I watched uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth, written directed by one Joel Cohen, uh, starring one Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Uh, and it was just, yeah, it was great. Um, and then I saw Scream. I saw Scream on opening night with my wife, and it was awesome. And it was everything I wanted from a screen movie, and I'm very satisfied. Well, good. So, yeah, these last few weeks, we've been quite busy with movies, as, as always. That was an extended segment, an extended yes. opening segment. Which is fine, because we're, we're going in to talk about Andadun now, and uh, this movie is such that, like, I, I really do think that a lot of our conversation is, is like, we're not going to be able to talk a whole lot about, like, the amazing cinematography or, or things like that, because it, it, it's, it's fine, but that's not what this movie... Uh, it's not what its strengths are about. So I really think we're just going to be a, a lot of focus on story elements in this one. Uh, but I first, so, yeah. Boilerplate. Uh, Andadun was released in 2018. Uh, it was directed by Sriram Raghavan. Uh, it was also written by Sriram Raghavan, among others. There was actually like five writers on this movie. Uh, it was inspired by the French short film La Dieu, The Piano Tuner which was about a blind piano tuner who encounters a lot of similar situations to Akash and a lot of self-generated problems that Akash also deals with. That short film is only like 15 minutes, so I do want to go back and watch that because I want to see how how much of it they did they pull directly from that and how much did they stretch to make it into a feature film. Uh, Raghavan said that uh, Fargo and the TV TV series based on Fargo were also sources of inspiration for this movie. Uh, did you guys I see that? You, you can see some of that in this. Well, I mean, so real quick, so someone on Twitter after I watched Macbeth said that um, it's funny seeing Macbeth as a Coen Brothers movie because Macbeth kind of is like a very Coen Brothers character in that he's mm-hmm. like a schemer who gets this idea. And it to to like advance himself, and it goes totally wrong because he's kind of incompetent. And like that's what Akash kind of is: is he's the schemer who's trying to like do some seedy stuff in order to get ahead, and it just like really doesn't go well for him, and he gets in over his head very quickly. That's a pretty classic Coen Brothers kind of character thing, particularly yeah. in Fargo. That's like the whole premise of Fargo: is guy gets a grand scheme, and it just it immediately goes horribly because he's not competent enough. And to then pull it off. and then the rest of it is just trying to dig their way out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I thought I thought that was interesting, and another reason I thought that uh, this might be a, a fun movie for you guys to watch, given uh, our you know that you guys are big Coen Brothers fans. Uh, 
uh, another interesting fact that I, you know, when I was researching the movie what, that I enjoyed was that uh, one of the benefits of having five writers was apparently that Raghavan and Biswas, uh, who were two of the writers on the, on the film, apparently the, they think in English. And this is not something that I ever think about when I'm looking at a movie and thinking about the way things are written. But uh, they think in English, so the a third writer, Surti, had to rewrite a lot of the dialogue because it was going to be released in Hindi. Uh, so it made me stop and think about uh, those moments in the movie where they do speak in English or, uh, you know, and how much the translation, you know, matters in, in these scenes. Uh, so I, I really thought that was interesting. Uh just fun that you have to have a whole separate writer because you know in anytime you yeah is a is a complex culture yeah. in terms of language there are so many different languages that are official depending on where on which area of the country you're in you know people might speak english as their primary language or they might speak hindi or they might speak other languages and so and i believe the movie has also been remade in other languages um, um, for different parts of India, if I'm not completely wrong on that. I mean, I know they, they that's a very common practice. And like when you go on mm-hmm. Netflix and you watch a lot of these movies made in India, if you go look at the audio selections, there's usually like five or six audio options because of all the different Indian languages that they've uh, been yeah, so the, sorry, not to interrupt, but the film has been remade as Maestro in the Telugu language and as Brahman in the Malayan language, Mayalalam language, which are two languages that are spoken in in India. So the movie has been remade with entirely different actors. Oh, completely remade, not even just a dub. Yeah, no, no, oh, no, no okay. not redubbed, remade with entirely different actors. Same story because of the different areas of the countries where the Hindu version just didn't have the same popularity. Which I find fascinating about the country in general. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, some of the other usual boilerplate stuff we talk about. It has an estimated budget of $4.5 million and a worldwide gross of $62.5 million. Uh, and, and that's in U.S. dollars. Hmm. Not bad. <laughs> that's impressive. Uh, which the box office was in, in uh, English dollars, U.S. dollars? The box office was $62.5 million. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> Uh, Anil Dawan, who plays uh, a formerly popular actor in this movie uh, and, and a singer, uh, was a Bollywood star. And the, the I'm sure this isn't a surprise to anyone watching the movie, but when they show clips of him, you know, of his old movies and his old musical performances, they are that's actually him, uh, which you mm-hmm. know makes which I, I think is fun because the world is that this this movie is taking place is is not. Obviously, it's a fiction, uh, and the actor that he is portraying is not him. But I, I just think it's fun that they're like, "Well, let's use all your old footage, anyways." Yeah, that's uh, fun. Uh, and the last little factoid from the boilerplate stuff: uh, Kurana, who uh, plays Akash, that's Ayushman Kurana, uh, did not use a body double for the movie, including the piano scenes. He practiced four hours a day on a piano with a piano teacher in Los Angeles. Wow. And then he also visited the National School of the Blind in India to prepare for the role, uh, which, you know, these are you know not unheard of things for people to do for movies. But I'm always impressed by it when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, someone like people practice their whole lives to become excellent piano players. And uh, this guy's doing it for a, a role, you know, and you know, I, it's just like when we talked about uh, um, The Sound of Metal and, you know, 
learning yeah, the drums Riz for that. Rizamed learning all the drums for that. It's the same sort of deal. I'm, I'm just always impressed by that. Yeah, same. Uh, but well, let's get into the story. Uh, so we are going to. It's it's basically impossible to avoid spoilers in a discussion of this yeah. movie. So we're going to. I'm just going to put up the spoiler warning now. Uh, um, I'd love for you to keep listening if you haven't seen it, but uh, it, you know you can also pause and, and come back and after you have watched it. Uh, but the basic premise, and all I told Hugo and Josh about the movie before going into it, is that a blind piano player named Akash uh, uh, is, is run into by a woman on a motorcycle who, upon finding out that he is a pianist, offers him a gig at a restaurant. Uh, at the restaurant, he befriends an older actor who is so impressed by him that he invites him to come play a private concert uh, for him and his wife for her for their anniversary. Uh and however, in the time between when he gets invited and when he goes to this uh, perform this private concert, we are shown that in fact Akash is not blind; uh, he mm-hmm. is faking it, and uh, which is a twist. You know, which I, I I'd love to. I'm going to ask here in a second about what you guys thought of that moment, but uh, it's a twist to begin with. But it's also a twist that becomes much scarier when he arrives at the performance. At, at the actor's house, only to find that uh, there a murder has taken place here, and uh, now he has to play off that he doesn't know what's happening in this room while he continues to play the private performance. Uh, and while that's, they drag the body while out. While they drag stuff, the body yeah. out and, and, and all that stuff. Um, so first, uh, all I told you before we watched the movie was about a, bi- a blind piano player who, who was a witness to a crime. That's all I told you guys. Uh, so... And I was hoping to avoid the surprise there. What, what did you think of that moment where it's revealed that Akash is faking it? I mean, I think it's like probably the most captivating part of the movie for me. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really well done. Um, it, it's it's very surprising. Um, I mean, I've been, I I think I I may have looked up because we talked about this movie a long time ago, and then I was like sitting down to watch it last weekend. It'd been a minute since we talked about it, so I kind of just like read a like a two sentence log line basically yeah. to refresh myself. And I think I learned about the murder portion. Um, so I, I knew that he was going to witness a murder at some point. And I was still very surprised when he walks in that room and he just like sees feet protruding from behind a wall and blood on the floor. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really effective. He got me. Well, so what did you think about, you know, him faking being blind? Were you surprised by that? Or did you, you know, kind of assume that there was going to be more to it when, since he's witnessing a crime? Uh, I think we learned the, that the latter, yeah. Before though, right? Yeah, we learned we it before he gets him, to yeah. the crime. We learned it before he gets to the crime. We do see him take out the the the, the like the weird. I think that's like the contact. Yeah, that's like yeah. the fifteen minute mark. The fifteen minute mark, we learn he's not blind. The thirty minute mark is when we see that yeah. the murder happens. So that's like your inciting incident, end of Act One kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. When I, I go ahead, Hugo. sorry. For me, the first half hour, I was utterly confused. I did not know where the movie was going at all. Because he fakes being blind, I, you know, I was like, okay, he's doing it for because he thinks it'll teach him to learn how to play the piano better, and I understand that. But w- does he have to fake it in front of other people? Why? Why isn't he telling this girl? Like this girl is about to take her clothes off, and he's he's pretending to be blind. And I understand he he moves away, but I was like, what? Like what? What is the the exactly the inciting incident of the movie when is that going to happen and then when the murder happens i was like oh okay then i understood where the movie was at least starting from and then there's a whole 
bunch of different twists in this one, but at least I I felt lost before that, and then that that moment sort of made me understand what I was in for to some extent. So it did really work. That scene is is probably the best scene in the movie for me, at least. So uh, I agree. So before we go more into the plot, uh, I just wanted to touch on that beginning stuff because that's like the setup of the movie. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to ask you guys first was uh, your kind of your general thoughts on and, and your film history with Indian cinema. Uh, have you seen a lot of Bollywood or other Indian movies? No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, not really at all. Um, I watched I mean, I've seen Slumdog Millionaire, which does not count, but it does. No. It was partially filmed in India and does end with a Bollywood esque dance number over the closing credits. And I watched uh, The White Tiger last year uh, on Netflix, the Ramin Barani movie, um, which was also not really a Bollywood movie, but at least takes place in India. But other than that, no. Same Life for you, Hugo? Does Slice of Pie count? I don't think so. So, I mean, um, that's kind of the thing. It's like, yeah, there's there's movies that feature Indian culture mm-hmm. and Indians and, yeah. and, you know, and there's, and there obviously there are Indian people working on those movies. So, like, you know. That's why I specifically said Bollywood or other Indian cinema, uh, because you know, like we talked about, there are a lot of different regions around India, and not all of the movies are made in Bollywood. <laughs> I feel like those movies don't necessarily count just because there's a there's a specific, um, I think, tone to actual Bollywood yeah. Indian cinema that mm-hmm. this movie has, and that those movies kind of feature Indian Indian culture, but they're Western movies by all in you know by all accounts, I would say. So, uh, yeah, no, so I don't really have a history with, with Bollywood cinema. Um, but it's a big blind spot you, for me. But I know you, Jeff, has have seen uh, quite a few, a few more. of them, right? Yeah, I've seen, well, yeah. I, I won't say quite a few, but I've seen uh, some because during the during uh, the pandemic, uh, some of my local friends started watching movies, you know, like in a, a watch party online each week. And uh, we watched several Bollywood films during that time. Uh, um, my... Uh, the most memorable for me of those was uh, Bahubali, uh, which is you know, and, and there's two two movies in that. It's you know two parts, and that movie's about like you know, basically a godlike warrior, and it's it's basically a superhero mm. movie. Actually, I think I, I think I've seen a trailer. For there's this. some crazy stuff. That that, that movie is nuts. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, and so I've seen I've seen a few. So I I I I will say I'm starting to like pick up on some of the you know common themes and uh ways things are shot and, and done in uh Indian uh cinema. Uh but overall it's still very new to me as well. So the other thing I, I want to ask at this time is what do we think of the movie in general? I, I alluded earlier that I am aware that this is not like a cinematic masterpiece. And so like I'm not expecting you guys to have loved it as much as I do, but I, I do want to know what you guys think. Hugo, go ahead. I, I, th- I was extremely entertained by the movie. Like I had a great time watching it. I sometimes I didn't under I wasn't un- necessarily sure if I was having fun with the movie or at the movie. Like I, I think the movie was a bit confusing in terms of tone for me. Like I felt that I didn't know if at any point I was supposed to laugh or cry. And I felt like sometimes I was, I was, oh, this is funny, but I'm not sure whether it's supposed to be funny or not. I don't know if you understand what I mean, Chris. Like, there's a, 
there are moments in the film that are dramatic moments, but the way they are uh, portrayed, and 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 I think the editing also does this uh, does this quite a, quite a lot, make them oddly comedic. And the, the movie is it, considered I mean, a dark I, I, comedy, is what it's what it's exactly. built. I think that's so on purpose. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. That's, that's where I'm conflicted on it because I, I wasn't always sure which moments I was supposed was supposed to be funny, which moments weren't supposed to be funny. But I do think the story is. I think the plot itself is a fun plot. I think that sort of the tonal inconsistencies and maybe some of the distance that I felt, I, I just felt a little lost sometimes culturally, where like showing suddenly it just cuts to an older movie and like for 35 seconds we hear an old Bollywood song and I was like, uh, okay, what's going on? Like uh, I was a little lost in it. I think it's the kind of movie that if I watched it again, I would have more of an understanding of when, of, of sort of the tonal differences and what's intentional, what isn't. And I would enjoy it more because I, I really like the plot. I, I think if I just if I knew where it was going, I would have I would enjoy it even more. But again, overall, I was pretty entertained by it. And I thought it was quite well made. What did you think, Josh? Um, I agree that I think it's a <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's a, a cool plot and it's a really uh, ingenious idea set up for a movie. A guy who's pretending to be blind witnesses a murder. What now? Like that's that's great. That's good stuff. Um more so than the Coen Brothers, it reminded me more of like a Guy Ritchie movie, actually. Yes. Uh, for for better that. or for worse, for better or for worse, in that like, it's really entertaining and deals with like seedy underbellies all over the place and characters getting in over their heads, which again is a very Coen thing. But also like, I feel like Guy Ritchie movies, again for better or for worse, rely on coincidences, and there's a lot of coincidences in this, um, both to get the characters into trouble, but also kind of get them out of trouble sometimes, which is like less fun. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. It kind of goes off the rails for me a little bit in the back half, but uh, we can, we can get to that. Okay. Uh, and obviously, you know, I picked this movie because I, I really love this movie. I, and part of it, you know how I, I, I you guys know me. I, I let the emotional state I'm mm-hmm. in affect my enjoyment of a movie. And so the first time I watched this movie, uh, the people, because I was doing a watch party thing, we had the little chat bar on the side where people were typing in their reactions and stuff. And so just that shared, like, communal, like, like what? No. No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie for that kind of environment, for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. where it's like a lot of, lot of twists and turns and the story kind of just keeps you guessing and stuff. Um, is, so I, I want to actually know, like, what, what was your history with this movie? Like, why you picked this? Why you think this is a film to remember and that kind of thing? Why so, you wanted us to see this? Uh, well, the reason the reason I picked it was because when it was suggested for our our you know friend groups you know watch party, I was like, huh, I'm not familiar with this this movie. Uh, this so was you first saw this in the last in the last couple of years, then in the, I saw this last year. Uh, okay, during while, while I was still working from home, you know, and we were all no one was going out, we weren't going to movies, we weren't meeting our friends. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I I said oh, I'm not familiar with that, and then they said, well. You know, Jeff, because that's what they call me. <laughs> they say, well, Jeff, uh, aren't you trying to watch all of the IMDb Top 250? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, well, it's on there. And so I was like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, cool. that's, I'm in. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm sold. Let, let's do this because I, I wanted – I was going to have to cross it off the list eventually anyways. Uh, and and then I was so pleasantly surprised by it. Uh because I, I, they didn't tell me basically anything, uh, you know, about the movie. 
so I was I got surprised by all the moments that were surprising, and you know, and and I I love a movie that does that to you that that can shock you, and then just when you think you got it figured out, they shock you again, and I. So all the other aspects of the movie, you know, the editing and cinematography and all that stuff, they might not be perfect, but I think that the the for me the story, the way I you know received the story was executed so perfectly that it became a, a really special movie to me that I you know I yeah. and I wanted other people to see it. I wanted other people to get the chance to experience that story as well. Uh, and obviously, I'm not the that's, only one who thinks so because you know, that's awesome. Actually, like I feel like watching this movie in a in a group situation would be a, a lot of fun, and I understand how it would you know stick with you. Yeah, I agree. The way I saw this movie was the same way I first saw The Usual Suspects. I don't know if you guys have seen The Usual Suspects, Hugo. Of course, I've seen The Usual Suspects. Which one's The Usual Suspects? Sorry, Kaiser Sose. <laughs> Kaiser Sose, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Of course, I've you would seen know. It. Just say the name Kaiser yeah, Sose, yeah, and you would yeah, know yeah, if you've yeah, seen it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I've seen it. So. That movie was a, a, another movie that had some pretty big surprises, and it's the sort mm-hmm. of movie that, like, I feel like when you get to introduce that to someone else, you get another kind of enjoyment from yeah. that movie, getting to hear what their reactions were, or you know, so like, like right now, uh, when we're talking about the pod, I get to kind of get that enjoyment of like, what, how did you respond to this? You know, did because you want that shared, you know, surprise. Uh, but so that's why that's why I picked it. I I. I love this movie, and it's one of these movies that, like, I I kind of hope that I want people to know about it, but I hope that they learn about it slowly, so I have more opportunities to show it to other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, so let's talk about the movie itself. Uh, I've mentioned the cinematography a few times. Uh, I, the first question I have is: Do you think that the quality of the filmmaking lives up to the quality of the story? For me, it doesn't. I I, I think the story is very elevated but what did you guys think i mean i think i agree with you i i I get your point we're trying to say and i think i agree overall uh nothing really jumped out at me in the filmmaking it's like oh that was cool you know um except for the sound design a couple moments of uh Hmm. like uh like a quick surprising sound when something quick and surprising happens on screen i think yeah that kind of stuff worked but other than that like yeah nothing like nothing really jumped out at me filmmaking wise yeah, I think I agree with you, Jeff. As I said, I think the plot is a lot of fun. Um, and I think in terms just of filmmaking, the the parts that confused me about the movies were sort of how slowly that plot gets started. I thought it was very confused because I think the premise is so strong that I felt it was kind of weird that it's it, you actually get to the premise half hour in. Yeah. Um, I do think like some editing choices could have been made that like we get three full musical numbers of him playing the piano in the bar before we get to the actual plot and this is not going to surprise you hugo but that's a staple of bollywood cinema is music no i understand that (laughs) yeah no i get that and and i guess that's why i'm 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 going into the movie not having any sort of notion about bollywood cinema at all almost like i understand the, the musical numbers but going into this movie i saw oh this is kind of a thriller drama dark comedy so i didn't i wasn't expecting that and i was like oh okay then it kind of takes doing you this out of it now. a little bit we're doing this now for a few minutes which is fine like it's not i don't, I don't have anything against it necessarily i just in terms of seeing it from a western point of view the edit the the way it is edited feels a little jarring for me so um but that being said again i i did really enjoy when it got going 
Josh? I want to say I want to say this real quick. Um, as I've said before, uh, I'm obsessed with act breaks, and mm-hmm. but the reason I'm obsessed with act breaks is because they really are instructive in like what the story actually is. So mm-hmm. like in this case, you know, if the inciting incident at about the 15 minute mark is revealing that he is blind and faking, I'm sorry, faking being blind, and then the half hour mark taking you into Act Two is the murder plot. That's that's telling that like. The second act is most of the murder plot, but the overall story is about him faking being blind. And because, like, the murder plot is, you know, and, like, the aftermath of it is pretty wrapped up by the end of Act 2. Like, you know, it, it's ba- this Act 2 is basically him, like, in danger because he witnessed this thing. And there are these dangerous people who murdered a guy and, like, want to get rid of all the witnesses. But, like, again, that's kind of, like, done with it when there's still, like, half an hour, 40 minutes left in the movie. And, like the last act is basically him coming to a decision about his blindness or his faking blindness and that kind of stuff. So like, you know, it, I'm not sure it doesn't get going until half an hour in. It just, you know, uh, I don't know. Act one is act one and act two is act two. You know, what, what, it, what do you guys think? There's a lot of, and this happens. Oh, and then there this is a happens. lot. Yeah. Like, don't so, get me wrong. There's plenty of that in this, yeah. which is a problem, but yeah. Right. Which I feel like it, I, I almost felt overwhelmed by the movie. I, I almost felt like I watched a season of television, but compressed yeah. into a movie. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay, then this, this new episode is happening about, uh, you yes. know, uh, people trying to take his organs. Harvest and, organs. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's funny you mention that because one of the first things I thought after seeing this movie the first time was how much I, I think that this movie would be a fantastic miniseries. I agree. And I think it would like, really work. And because there's so many plot twists, you can it, like mm-hmm. you know, like when you watch Tiger King at the end of every episode of Tiger King, you're like, "There's no way it can possibly get crazier than this." And then they give you the sting, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh man, it's going to get way crazier." And yeah. that that's the same way this movie is. Every like at that 15 minute mark, if you were doing it in a miniseries, the reveal that he's not actually blind would be the end of the first episode, and then mm-hmm. probably yeah, and then the end of the second episode is when he you know walks in on the murder and then you know know, so i i feel like yeah i it is a lot of and then this happens and then this happens but if you change the context of those events into a miniseries then those moments would be at the end of an episode and then you have a Mm -hmm. whole week to digest what just happened and uh so i i agree there it's so interesting this movie that uh when they when they do kind of like hit you in rapid succession with all these like and then this and then this and then this then it can be kind of overwhelming. But uh, I, I think, and maybe, you know, this being my second watch, I was able to follow it much more, especially since I knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that maybe that bothered me a little less uh, the second time than it, it would have otherwise. Um, are you impressed by the acting performances in this movie? It, sometimes this is what I run into when I watch a, a foreign language film, uh, you know, uh, were foreign to me, anyways. <laughs> yeah, language uh, I don't speak. Yeah, I I have a, sometimes I have a harder time deciding whether or not a performance is good. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, that was gonna be my exact take. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. It's hard to say though. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I yeah. I thought uh, I thought he was great, and I thought the actress playing his lover interest and I apologize for not remembering the names she uh, was Radhika also Apti quite good Simi Simi no, oh Simi is Simi is, no, is, is the yeah. the murderess yes played I by did... a one 
she has one name, so you know that she's yeah, a famous actress. Tabu. Tabu. Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> um, I thought she was also great. I didn't always feel like all of the different characters were in the same movie. Uh, Sophie feels like a very grounded, realistic character. And then the movie goes crazy places and some of the characters are a little more over the top. So they, they don't all completely mesh together with me, but I think the individual performances work, work really well. And I think Simi in particular is really entertaining to watch. So She's sort of mischievous in a fun way. I'm glad you mentioned that, that they kind of feel like they're not in the same movie. And to me, that actually works in the case of hmm. Sophie, because when Sophie gets told the events, it is yeah. utter nonsense. Or this is absolutely insane <laughs> because she's That's from true. the real world. <laughs> yeah. And people who murder and try to cover up the murder and people who pretend to be blind and then have to avoid getting caught then, being blind so that they don't they, get murdered themselves. You know. Yeah, and then some poison is given to them and they are suddenly actually blind. So they were lying before, but they're not lying anymore. Or maybe they are. It's like... <laughs> So that is so crazy that when you, we're supposed to be like Sophie, I think, as the viewer. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is why I think that that character works so well. What, Josh? I mean, I think to just basically just reiterate what you just said, like everyone in this movie, except for Sophie, is kind of a piece of shit. And yeah. like the people, <laughs> even the people that, you know, the, the, the people that you don't think would be are, and that's kind of like one of the points of the movie, I think, is like even like, even the nice, rich actor's wife is a piece of shit and even the police captain's a piece of shit even the nice like lady begging for change on the street ends up being a real piece of shit real piece and of shit. sophie's like the, <laughs> sophie's the only one who's not and so like she is she's living in a different world than the rest of the characters so it kind of does make sense i mean maybe i'm just kind of making excuses for a out of place performance, but it makes sense out of place. I no, guess. that's that's what I, that's how I, I felt. Is is that no, yeah, I'm, Sophie yeah, made I agree. sense to I agree. me, uh, and that and then like you're right, Hugo. A lot of the other movies, uh, a lot of the other actors in the movie do feel like they're in a completely different movie, and in yeah. like the basically everything that happens with in, while they're in the hospital, that is a whole mm-hmm. other movie, and everyone involved yeah. in that are they're so crazy. They're yeah, the, no one makes a rational some, decision. <laughs> yeah, there are some moments in the movie that become all, almost slapstick, but then that event that the way it was portrayed in the movie was slapstick, it then gets treated seriously in terms of plot, and I think it that ref- is reflected in the performances as well. Um, but yeah, still, again, it, the individual parts very entertaining, and I did think that Tabu as Simi, I thought that was a very good performance She's fun. because because she was very fun and. Uh, maniacal you know like mm-hmm. uh or even sociopathic like like when uh, she... uh when sophie comes to the door to talk to akash and she having just you know poisoned him and blinded him uh strips down and goes to the door with a towel around her you know so that to really screw up akash's whole world <laughs> uh it's... very she also goes from there's... we see a scene where oh the murder has happened and she's mad about it and then she cries about it and then this like five minutes later she's getting an old lady and throwing Throw her, off, her over off a banister a building it's like it's <laughs> and then she goes to his house and she tries to catch him in the act like she's so mischievous um but fun for sure well okay so i'll, I'll move on to the next question i have for you uh about the story uh 
Oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I had one other thing I wanted to say on cinematography. The, right. the one thing that did stand out to me regarding the way this movie was put together, whether it be the cinematography or the editing, uh, just the whole, th- the whole way it was put together, and this is thanks to Josh, I focused on this, the <laughs> opening scene. Uh, so I wanted to ask Josh in particular, what did you think about the opening scene? And, and just to clarify for those listening, I'm talking about the rabbit in, in the... <laughs> There's a cold match. open of sorts, yes. Well, it opens in media res on a hunter hunting a rabbit in a patch, which is probably a metaphor for what the story eventually is, something being hunted and being pursued. Um... And it cuts away before we see whether or not the hunter shoots the rabbit. And then it cuts to Akash playing the piano, right? Well, so it it cuts, it goes to black, and you hear the sound of a car crash, Mm. Mm -hmm. which we don't know anything about at all. Uh, And then it comes up with a, a, a quote on the screen, what is life? It depends on the liver. Uh, and then it goes into Akash playing the, the piano. Uh, I just got that pun. Just now got that pun. Right? Wow. Yes. <laughs> I just now got it. And the rabbit is blind. Like we that was the other thing. We focus on the, the rabbit's eye so it's, to notice that it's blind. I, I, and this is something that I, even on the second time, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's missing one eye. And yeah, then but the other, it's missing an eye, but the other one is you, you looks they cloudy. Get close to it, and it looks cloudy white in right. the same way that Akash's do when he's wearing the contacts. so. And and they, the the rabbit is jumping through the field and uh, hears the the hunter, and that's what causes the rabbit to run. And we see the rabbit run into a post in, in the field, and then yeah. it runs out, and and you know that's when it cuts when the the hunter takes a shot at it as it's crossing the street. Uh, I didn't pick up on the fact that Rat was blind. That kind of sharpens the point about equating the rabbit with Akash in the movie you're about to see. Yeah. Hunted and stuff, yeah. And, and I felt the same way Josh did when I first saw it because I was like, wait, what? What does this have to do with a blind I was confused. Yeah, I was very confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then but I then, thought, and then partway through the movie, I was still thinking about, you know, what is this opening, what did that opening sequence have anything to do with? Is it just setting up the rabbit, you know, the rabbit was blind, Akash is blind? Okay. But then uh, we get to the end of the movie, and then it's like, oh my god, this was not a metaphor? Today's <laughs> ex machina, not a metaphor. Yeah. But also, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah. I Because I, to me, I'm still, speaking of the ending of the movie, which I guess we'll get to in a bit, It, I'm still unsure what in this movie happened or not. It's like, how much of the movie is a cash being an unreliable narrator and how much of it actually happened the way that it's shown. And that's literally my I favorite part of the movie is, is yeah. at the end, that discussion you get to have with your friends about like, okay, right. what, what really happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so I agreed. I, I had a similar reaction to Josh where I was just confused. Uh, Hugo, mm-hmm. did you, you, were you confused by the rabbit at the beginning or did you uh, I, pick I'm up on the blindness confused. right away? I'm still, con- I, I did pick up on the blindness, but I'm still confused by the rabbit. It's just like the, the scene where the rabbit gets shot, where we actually see it, it's such a, it's one of those moments that is such a weird edit. Like the way it's edited together is three quick cuts and then the car is just flipping. And I I was unsure whether it was supposed to be funny or not. That's one of the examples. I was like, wait, this, like, 
this is so such a coincidence. I'm not sure if this is actually happening, if it's supposed to be funny, if it's supposed to be taken seriously, but it's funny to me because of the way it's edited together. And I, it, I'm still confused. By so that <laughs> remember how much you think that's a coincidence when we get to talking about the ending, because right, I want to. Yeah. That that's important to me later. Um, okay, well, so just on the story in general, uh, just so we can kind of go through it. What were some moments that really surprised you that you really enjoyed? Uh, Manahar's introduction. I guess they call him Manu in the movie, but um, his introduction and then reintroduction were two moments I really enjoyed. And his introduction is uh, in the, you know, breaking to two when Akash stumbles in on this murder scene, he asks Simi, can I use the bathroom? And she like leads him and steps him over through the pool of blood and over the dead man's feet and takes him into the bathroom and it takes a second but then <laughs> Akash goes into the bathroom, closes the door and goes to pee and then the camera reverses and you see there's already a man in the bathroom with a gun and it was extremely surprising <laughs> yeah. and extremely scary and um, uh, you know is the second time in the last two minutes that Akash has had to uh, hold in a reaction, first seeing a dead body second seeing a man with a gun in the bathroom um, and that really worked. And then uh, that same character comes up again about 15 minutes later when Akash goes to the police station to try to report the murder that he just witnessed. And lo and behold, that guy's the police captain. Yeah. And like also extremely uh, effective reveal. And um, again, Akash really has moments. to pretend to not recognize him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because the, the, the guy overhears Akash telling this other policeman what happened. And then he like walks in the room, does not announce himself. And Akash has to pretend. He doesn't see him. And then also kind of make up a different story because yeah. he can't tell the one he's he about says, to tell. He comes in and he says, so. I, I'm here to report a murder. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, the, the the guy recognizes his voice and comes out to see Akash. And then Akash is immediately like, my cat. <laughs> my cat was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tough beat. Yeah. I So I love that moment uh, where Manohar is, is, is revealed in that because that's like very much a uh, – a, almost a horror movie type of shot where the camera yeah, pans absolutely. over and he's in the room. And so that, that really it, surprised me. It's so well done as well, because that, it, it holds on him going to pee first. And yeah. you as the audience member are like, why is he still pretending to be blind? Like he, the yes. door is shut. He why, has, have to pre- why hasn't he taken his glasses off and like yeah. freaked out? Yet? His he little mini freak like, out. He's just pretending yeah. still like she can't hear that he's not blind. That's weird. And the camera slowly pans over. It, it's really well made. Yeah. Yeah. So, stuff. so that is one of those moments where I'm like, that's actually pretty good cinematography. The way that that was all yeah, absolutely. No, that was put, really put together yeah. there, but uh, well staged. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I love that one, and then the final moment is is excellent as well. Uh, I, I mean, like the the very last thing that happens before the credits roll yeah. uh, is certainly a surprise uh, mm-hmm. and uh, meant to be. But so I, good stuff. I see in our notes, Hugo. I, I asked what moment surprised you, and you said too many to list. I kind of got lost <laughs> after a bit. Uh, there were yeah, it, I think it's again it's the same thing as before. A lot happens in this movie, and so. I feel like I remember individual scenes and I almost don't know how they all fit together. I don't, I, I kind of, I kind of have a hard time figuring out how we go from, you know, she's in his house trying to get him and then there's organ harvesters and then he's in Italy and like that. 
a lot of different things happen, but I think we already mentioned a lot of some of the surprising parts. Um, so it's, it's kind of, we already talked about them, but I, I guess if we were talking about our favorite parts of the movie, I would certainly say most of the actually comedic parts are my favorite. Yeah, and I, um, I see I kind of asked the same question twice here in our notes, but yeah. uh, so we can kind of touch on the, the scenes or sequences that you enjoyed you know, as well. Mm. Uh, For me, there are three things of yeah. comedy that are my favorite. Um, first, the little boy that is trying to, because that, that, that sees that he's actually not blind and so that spends the rest of his time trying to catch him in the act of pretending to be blind. And he makes a video and then Simi deletes, his, deletes it from his phone and he's trying to like swindle people into giving him money for the, seeing the video. Um, I thought that was really funny. Um, uh, Simi killing the old lady, which I mentioned before. It's another really really weird edit where in three seconds there are like four shots and it's like Akash going into the elevator uh, the old lady comes out to talk to Simi and then we cut back to Akash coming out of the elevator and we see the old lady is we don't see Simi flip the old lady over the, the, the rail we see the old lady already halfway through right. falling through the rail and and then Beethoven plays ta-da-da-da <laughs> so <laughs> that was really good um, and also there's later when Simi goes to his house and tries to catch him. Um, at one point, for some reason, she wears a ghost face mask and the movie does a strong, loud sound, like a weird also jump scare. Also very surprising, yes. Yeah, and she, like, it, it just, the camera moves and Akash is still having to pretend like everything's normal, but to the audience, there's a really loud noise and we see her in a ghost face mask, which is really funny. Um, so those yes. parts, I think, are the... the I think that ghost face for me. thing is so funny, because... I was it, like, why did they think of this specifically? It's so specific. <laughs> I, I don't know why ghost face, and I don't think I will ever know why specifically yeah, ghost face. Like, <laughs> but I think sure. the idea was like a scary mask that uh, yeah. for to put on quickly when Akash's you know, turn... Because she's just trying to break him, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. she's she thinks he he can see, and uh, and this isn't the first time like someone's tried to, you know, mm-hmm. get him to break because we see uh, Captain Manohar, uh, yeah, goes to his his apartment is in the apartment when he gets home, uh, and then starts like throwing stuff at him, <laughs> like throws a knife past his head, uh, to see if he flinches and. Honestly, that that is the, the moment where I'm like, regardless of whether or not I understand the language, uh, I was impressed by Ayushman Karana's performance because even as an actor, not flinching yeah. when someone throws a knife past your head has got to take uh, so much control. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they did 15 takes. Though, yeah, like, maybe. But like, even, like, just to not even flinch, I was like, wow, yeah. you, you know. I'm just impressed on a human level, not on an acting level, just on a human ability to yeah. <laughs> not flinch. I, I thought that was really cool. Well, Hugo mentioned that scene, the scene where Simi visits Akash because of the screen mask uh, jump scare. But I think that scene in general is really good and like yeah. one of my favorites because it's one of the most tense where like, mm-hmm. you know, he's Akash still knows he's in danger because he's a witness to murder. And he watched he watched her kill one of the other one of the other witnesses to the murder. And she's trying to figure out as you guys said, she's trying to break him and see if he actually is blind and like just the, the push pull of that scene and how things are revealed and ha- uh, multiple things are revealed. I think it's really well done. It's uh, one of the highlights mm-hmm. of the movie. One of my that's other, where I think, oh, sorry, I think that's the high point of the film for me as well. Cause after that we get this 
plot. It point. goes a little off the rails for like, me we as get well. This plot after that point, point where yeah. she gives yeah, him some poison that makes him blind. So the poison doesn't make him blind, doesn't it? I was no, like, the, the poison knocks I him out. I thought it did. No, the poison knocks him out, and then she does something that right. makes him blind. Uh, okay, we don't. Okay. We don't actually see what she. But we does. don't actually see it, so you can understand why it was confusing. To yes, me. I completely understand. Okay, right. that, that confusion. But I okay. also thought it was the poison. Yeah. The, the poison was yeah. to knock him out, and then uh, right because okay. the doctor later says that like, oh yeah, you, your corneas are damaged. The poison didn't oh, damage his corneas. She, she, she something. like did something to his corneas. Right. So uh, and and he could tell that the wounds were fresh. So mm-hmm. you know that that's that you know that's again something I didn't pick up until my second time through because I thought that it was the poison made him blind. I'm like, mm-hmm. do they have that? Is that a thing? A poison that Is makes that you blind? <laughs> yeah, that was I was thinking about that for fifteen. I mean, probably. Minutes. I mean, it could like, be, but still. I mean, I, I learned this in my biochemistry class, not from real life experience, but the <laughs> major ingredients in Viagra can cause right. blindness, which is why if you're taking Viagra and experience blurred vision, you got to go see a doctor immediately. Oh, right. okay. So, okay. yeah, I'm assuming there is a pill that can make you blind. <laughs> a pill for that, that can reason. make you blind. But, like, is yes. it readily available to just some lady to I make don't know. a cake This with? lady has means. She's, she's <laughs> she first of all, she's, she's boning the police captain, and two, That's she's true. very rich. So, you know, she if anybody can get it, she can. That's true. <laughs> Point taken. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the movie that, again, I think it you almost don't realize what it is until most until it's over when uh, um, the police are interviewing him and he stands up suddenly and says, "I'm not blind. They're murderers." <laughs> you know, like and yeah, all that. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. for a second, I'm like, "Oh, oh my god!" He he just he revealed it. Now what's going to happen? And then it cuts, and it's one of those like you know, it was in his head. This is what he wanted to head, do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Grizz, here's another question. Why didn't he do that? Because he's he's pretending to be blind for his piano, but isn't there's it's not he's not doing anything technically illegal or like I don't know or is he? I, I'm that's where I'm confused. Like because he could just say, "Oh look, I can see. I saw this murder, and let's stop these guys." Is he worried that Sophie will get mad at him, which she does well, anyway? But like. So yeah, so I think that's part of it was that he was worried that because at that point Sophie didn't know that he wasn't right. blind. Uh so there's the worry about like he, he his the rest of his life is going to fall apart and he's mm-hmm. going to London uh to compete in this competition, a competition that he probably got into in no small part because of his story of being blind. So right. I think that that he doesn't do that because he he is trying to find a way out of this that doesn't derail everything that he has had planned for his life mm-hmm. uh and and this is also important because we we are going to find out that akash is, is re- relating this story to sophie uh, at the end of the movie and so is is he an unreliable narrator well he says that he, the reason he was pretending to be blind was because he thought it would make him better at being uh better at playing the piano but i think mm-hmm. that you can kind of read between the lines and see the kind of person that he is that He's pretending to be blind because it makes him interesting and, you know, right. makes people care more about when he's playing the piano. It uh, mm. gives him a leg up on things. So I think that's an example of, you know, Akash being an unreliable narrator. Right. Uh, and another thing that about this movie that is open to your personal interpretation. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those were some of my, my favorite moments. Uh it's the the part that is the weakest to me, and I think it sounds like it's the weakest to you guys as well. Is the whole sequence in the hospital? 
Yeah. Uh, where he runs into he's he's now blind. He gets picked up by the cabbie that drove him the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Who happens to just be part of this uh organ harvesting racket or something. Right. So again, this is this is one of the things <laughs> that I w- I'm going to ask about is you know, this movie being kind of hand wavy at times. Right. Uh <laughs> he gets picked up and is uh, by you know, and is going to be taken is going to have his organs harvested uh by these people so absolutely nuts and mm-hmm. yes is again like a, a big coincidence uh and so that's what i wanted to ask the, as much as i love the plot and so you know i kind of forgive some of these things i forgive a lot of these things uh because of how wild it is and how much fun i'm having with it uh for you guys, did it become too hand wavy to like to fully enjoy it? And when I say hand wavy, I mean like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, don't don't think too mm-hmm. much about this thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess especially in that second act. As I said, like the the high point of the movie is that second act until the moment where he actually becomes blind. I think that whole middle part of the film works really well for me. And it's really entertaining. And then it kind of becomes coincidence after coincidence and just things happen. And, you know, he meets these people who he's met before who happen to be organ harvesters. And then they happen to believe him when he says, oh, but actually I know this and we're going to make money out of ransom because of it. And then he does prove that he could see before. That is true. That is true. But then they meet Simi again. I mean, they kidnap Simi. And then Simi gets out, and then the the, the the policeman finds them, and, and then there's the car sequence, and then he goes to another country, and Sophie just happens to walk in. Like it, you know, it, it, I do feel like the movie doesn't do a lot of work to get to the next plot point. It, it, I feel like they have an idea of where we're going, and so we're just going to do it. We just go. As, yeah, and so as I said before, I think doing a miniseries maybe where you flesh out all the different parts would could have made it more you know believable and and, you know didn't take me wouldn't have taken me out of it too much let me list the coincidences that i kind of strained my credulity a bit uh number one the fact that he walks into this murder is a pretty big coincidence right granted like that's like that's not that big of a deal though because every movie is kind of granted one big coincidence to get the story going and that's the one that's the one in this case uh, the second coincidence is that he witnesses Simi kill the old lady, the other witness. Like, he just walks out of the elevator as she's doing it. And, like, I'm not sure what that coincidence even does for the story. Like, it doesn't, like, I don't know. Like, whatever plot it gives you, which I think isn't much, isn't worth the incredulity of the, you know, of the of the massive coincidence. Chris, mm-hmm. what do you got on that one? On that one, I think you can justify that. Uh, coincidence again. He he has a reason for being there. He's coming to yeah. teach people. Yes. So, but uh, the purpose of that narratively is this is the moment that uh, Simi now like she is like you. There's no way this is a coincidence that he keeps showing up right when something mm-hmm. like this happens. There's something yeah. going on here, and that's when she becomes suspicious of him. But also, on his side, it kind of makes him understand that she wasn't... She didn't just kill her husband by accident, and that's what happened, but she's also willing to sort of murder anyone who might have a clue, but it well, still, it it does just so happen that he walks out of the Akash, exactly Akash learning... Moment. 
Akash learning about the old woman's death still gives you that. The exactly. fact that he yeah. learns the other, other witness mysteriously died suddenly, like, he doesn't have yeah. to witness her murdering him for him to connect that dot. Um, it is another funny. coincidence. It is a funny moment, though. <laughs> it is sure. funny again. Uh, like you said, Hugo, the coincidence of, like, the guy who happens to pick him up after he runs into a pole and knocks himself unconscious is an organ harvester. Um, I think that kind of, like, they do a good job of setting up a third act for that, but, like, still. And then, obviously, the final coincidence is the deus ex machina of the rabbit in the car. The rabbit, oh, yeah. Yes. And, like, those are all pretty major story points to kind of just hand wave away with the coincidence, I think. Like, you you lose me a little bit towards the end there. Okay. Well, uh, so we're, uh, I'm, I'm just going to say real quick about the music because that's the other big highlight of Bollywood, you know, movies is the music. I, I really, I really love that. And so, you know, I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, uh, cause we did kind of talk about how it took Hugo out of it a little bit when they cut to those, uh, they didn't include any dance numbers in this, which is a thing is they usually have a full on dance number where everybody dances. Uh, if they had done that. Would that have been a bridge too far? Like, even if it was just at the credits, they did a, a dance number? I wouldn't mind a credits dance. I, I would I would have <laughs> been on maybe, board. Maybe, yeah. Wouldn't fit with the tone, maybe, but... I, I would have been on board for the credits dance number, personally. I would rather have got a dance sequence than three separate piano-playing song sequences. Yeah, okay. So, well, that's fair. Yeah, I, 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 like, I like the music, though. I do think it's very catchy yeah. and, and good music. But, uh... So I, I will say though, okay, when they're at the funeral, the music that he's playing is does not sound like. Maybe I'm just not in tune with Indian culture, obviously, but it does not sound like funeral music. It's kind kind of upbeat, and I it just I was like, okay, there were, I think this is it a was the song that uh, he had requested. Yeah, it, it, it must have, it must have been, but it, it was still. <laughs> Because I don't know the song and I don't make that connection right. musically. I'm like, oh, okay, this, the tone of this is... But still, yeah, it, it's not a big okay. deal again. So let's go into the ending. This is, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> beginning to end here. Uh, so the movie ends with Sophie going to Europe. And I say Europe because they literally just say on the screen, somewhere in Europe... <laughs> Which Hugo takes issue with. Hugo, why, why do you have a problem with that? It's, it's just Italy. Like, I understand if you want to say somewhere in Europe and it's a nondescript European-looking city, that's fine. But, like, everyone knows what Italy looks like. People speak Italian in the scene. They are sitting at a bar drinking an espresso. Like, it's just Italy. Just say Italy. <laughs> I don't understand why they choose to say somewhere in Europe when... Italy is a recognizable place. Yeah. Just say somewhere in it. I just don't get it. Like it's, it's not funny, like it was but I, you know, I somewhere in Siberia or something. Yeah, like right. Like, like <laughs> it was like, somewhere in you know I don't know Nebraska in North. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So that is weird. But so she goes. Yeah. She's she's in Europe for reasons, <laughs> and uh, she happens to see a sign <laughs> yeah. uh, for, uh, that Akash is performing nearby. Uh, as a blind pianist. And at this point, she is still of the mind that Akash is not blind. And so, you know, she goes to see him. uh, And he asks her to get something to eat with her after, you know, after his performance. And so they go sit down and he tells her this story. And so he tells her 
about he got picked up by the organ harvesters and how they captured Simi and how the doctor was going to kill her to harvest her organs to sell to a sheik uh, <laughs> and then give the money from that sale to Akash so that he could get his eyesight back. But then she escapes from the trunk of the car and kills the doctor, which I love that shot, actually, when the, the lid closes. Yeah, and that's a good shot. The doctor yeah. you know, bleeding out of his neck. Uh, <laughs> she gets into the car without saying a word to Akash, and they begins to drive away. And Akash says, "No, we can't do this to her. We can't do this. It's it's wrong." And not realizing he's talking to her, not the doctor. Right. And yeah. Then uh, she finally speaks and tells him to get out. And she begins to drive away. And she turns around. She's going to run over Akash. Uh, and yeah. of course, he doesn't know what's happening because he's blind at this point. Uh, and just at that moment, the rabbit from the beginning of the movie. <laughs> leaps out and crashes into the windshield of the car causing Simi to flip the car and die leaving Akash on the street still blind Uh, (laughs) he's alone isn't he? yeah he's alone I guess the the hunter is there and he would notice this blind man but still he's just Uh, standing there so Sophie listens to this story and uh, they're going to go their separate ways, and you know, uh, you know, she looks at him like this. This story is this is insane, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I know it's insane." Yeah, uh, and so then they go their separate ways, and he walks down the street, tapping in front of him with his his uh, walking stick, his cane, uh, and and important to note that the cane has a rabbit for the handle because uh, they make sure to show that to you. Uh, and as he's walking, he's tapping the street in front of him, and then there's a can in his way, and he flicks it out of the way with the 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 cane. Uh, as if he could see the can. As if he could see the can in the street. Yes. So yes. I got asked the questions that you, you ask at the end of this movie. Did Akash lie to Sophie? Uh, first, so do we think he can see that can? Yes. I think we're I think I mean, we're intended yeah. to believe he can see the can. Unless and I, I agree with that. he has become Daredevil, he can see the can. Or, <laughs> yeah. and, and this is what one of my friends says: like, well, no, maybe he was, maybe all that was true, and he has become a successful musician, and you know, uh, and bought the uh, the the eye treatment, the so now he can thing. see again. And it's not well, he didn't he do can, anything. He can see. Yeah. So like they, that my like, fr- my friend thinks that he can see, but doesn't believe there was any anything malicious that happened. To well, yeah. let him be able to see again. The question you posed, did he lie to Sophie? Yes, to an extent. But we, we're we not sure. We need to discuss to what extent he lied to Sophie. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. he's cl- yeah. clearly see. Was but he like, why can he see? Was he in the first place? That's another so, question for me. This is what I'm I was going to sure. say earlier. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure he was blind in the first place, yeah. Right. But, I, I would think so at least. But yeah. was he? Because that, I don't the know. one thing we know for certain is that Akash is not a reliable narrator. Mm-hmm. And we have been told this story. We've just seen the story as he's told it to Sophie. So yeah. all that stuff that happened with in the hospital, we don't know if any of that actually happened. Yeah. And, you know, so we don't know how far back the lying begins in this story. To, to so, me, when I, saw the, when I saw him, like, kicking away, I mean, not kicking, but hitting the can yeah. away it made me question any scene in the movie where sophie wasn't in it i was like okay did 
And that's what I think Which, is so fun about this. How much of this is true? <laughs> because now you, you can go back and you have to think through the whole movie, how much of this isn't true? Or is it all true except for the very end? You know, or, you know, and you're left wondering through the entire time just how much of this is, is fabrication. So, like, do you think that he and the doctor did what the doctor wanted to do and killed Simi to get his eyesight back? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like, the thing for me is, this can be either a strength or a, or a weakness of the film overall. Because if it, if it is completely intentional and, and, well, I mean, obviously it is intentional, but I'm wondering whether the writers know exactly what is true and what isn't in their minds. Or if they just wanted to add a final twist on top of all the twists that we've seen before just because it's like oh a cool twist at the end and it it left me confused again I, I feel like again I've said this a bunch of times I feel like watching the movie again I would have a lot of fun trying to figure out how much of it is true how much of it isn't what do you think Josh I think that the one scene, the one moment where we see him, like, what's going on inside his head, which is, like, him confessing that he's not blind to the police and fingering Simi and Manuhar for the murders, that's, like, the uh, one brief moment where there's a suggestion that, like, what we're seeing isn't actually happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that one scene is enough to convince me that more of it isn't happening. I think that... I think that if... If he is lying and is an unreliable narrator, at least in terms of like the way the movie constructed and like the cinematic language, like it's only the last bit. It's only so like it's the car the crash. It, yeah, yeah, like the car crash, and maybe even uh, the doctor being killed by Simi. Maybe that part as well. But like everything before that, I take to be like mm, that happened. an actual thing that happened. Otherwise, like otherwise, why why do we care? Yeah, like if if anything could be like not real, then what's the point of us even watching this? So, but. So, um, and my answer to that question is the point is the discussion that you have to have about whether or not any of it's real. And that's – I think that is – maybe not everyone's going to be satisfied with that. But I think that's an interesting <laughs> approach to telling a story is telling you this whole crazy story. And and keep in mind, we've acknowledged that there's a bunch of really bizarre coincidences like – you know, right. like, yeah, and, and then this happens and then this happens. And I start to think about every time I've been told a story by a liar and how – wow, and then – this crazy thing happens. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. You can't make this up. You know? <laughs> and so I started thinking. Like, okay, I, I I guess, but I don't know. Like <laughs> that's very life of it, pie again. This we isn't. Well, yeah, that's that that's constructed though as someone telling the story. Yeah. And it kind of does implicitly acknowledge at the end, like what is and isn't true, and kind of gives you like mm-hmm. that's kind of like the whole point of that <laughs> movie. Yeah. And, yeah. Like and like this... Jacob's ladder. The whole the whole point of Jacob's ladder is that it was all like taking yeah. place inside his head. You know that kind of stuff. And like this doesn't feel like that. You know, mm-hmm. minus like the very brief moment where we see that he has a, a vision of how things could go, but then does something else. So. I don't know. I guess that that is fun to discuss, but like this, this isn't this isn't Inception. It's not right. Jacob's Ladder. It's not you know any of those things. So um, I don't know. It. I don't know. I think most of it actually happened. And mm-hmm. my my only question is whether or not wh- how he came to be seeing again is is my question. Right. And I think that um, you know this is ultimately a morality play, mm-hmm. in that like people who do bad stuff. Uh, get bad things befalling them, you know, and uh, the innocence among the cast, which is basically only Sophie, uh, yeah. 
bad things don't happen to her. And, and she's like the only victim. person that bad things don't happen to. <laughs> that too, yeah, I guess. Um, but like, Monohar is foiled by his own gun and is killed by his own, you know, uh, over-eagerness to shoot his gun. Uh, Simi gets hers. The organ harvesters get theirs. And even like Akash, who is pretending to be blind, is punished for that by becoming blind himself uh, eventually. So like... I guess the only, like, my question at the end is, like, not to sound glib, but, like, why do I care? You know, whether he can see or not. And I guess the only the only answer for that is um, I, I, I it invites you to consider how he came to get these eyes and what that means for him moving forward, giving this world where bad things happen to people who do bad things. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so what what's next for Akash? And that's dependent on did he do something seated to get these eyes, in which case bad things are in his future given everything we've seen before this or did he i don't know <laughs> find a dead body somewhere and <laughs> take I, I don't know well yeah or just have a doctor my, treat his eyes i my don't know friend, yeah who was very optimistic believed that everything happened in this movie but then i, I agree uh, but yeah. then that akash uh just went on and became a successful blind pianist and then Got his eyes fixed, but and then didn't continue to lie about being blind, and that was you know. that could. Be, that's the most optimistic interpretation. Right. I think that's possible. We're still, but like, um, we're not supposed to be completely on Akash's side, right? Right by the end. So no, I, I don't not. think he's a good guy at all. So it, I don't know. I I I do understand the 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 idea of wondering why should I care because ultimately it's his story, and. At the end, we're with him. Oh, cool. He has his eyesight back. And because I don't necessarily think he's a positive character, I'm kind of left with a twist that is just a cool twist, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I had this early in the outline. I didn't mention it yet. One of the hand-wavy parts for me is, like, his explanation of why he's pretending to be blind. Right. That just... We we don't get that explanation until the midpoint when, like, Simi is poisoning him. So, like, we go over an hour before we learn why he's pretending to be blind. And it doesn't seem like enough of an explanation. He he says he's just doing it because like it makes him better at piano. And as you said, Grizz, like it makes him more sympathetic to people watching him play the piano. But like that's a big commitment to pretend to be blind anytime you're in public just to get that. Um, I don't know. It seems me, like yeah, it seems me, like a lot. To you me know? I'm wondering, is he getting like government housing? And income, like, is that a part? He, of he does say that he is actually, yeah, right. yeah. I so think he maybe did say that that's yeah. the that's the extra reason why he did, he's not willing sure. to like share the fact that he's because he would definitely blind, go to but, prison. I mean, <laughs> not prison necessarily, but he would be fined heavily. I guess. So I, I, I'm I, not sure. I guess I guess the end point where we he's still pretending to be blind, but isn't actually blind. Like. I, I guess I'm not sure how to feel about that because I'm never really sure how to feel about him pretending to be blind in the first place. Like, I yeah. don't think it's a good thing that he's doing it, but, like, I don't really understand his rationale. <laughs> and so, like, you know, so, like, I don't really understand this character. And so it's hard for me to come to a conclusion about him once the conclusion happens, I guess, so is I, my biggest thing. I think it's 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 difficult. Part of, like, for me, a lot of the fun is how open-ended this is. And the director did say <laughs> yeah. that he want, like he has, he has said that he wanted this in, open, he wanted an open-ended ending. And... Uh, it's funny to me. Like I asked, is it open ended enough? I can tell from our conversation that it it's way open ended for you guys still. Uh, 
Absolutely. And, but it's so interesting because other people I've watched this with, they thought it was very clear. And and so, you know, right. I I think that's what's kind of fun about this is because, you know, I could I could have a conversation with that person who thought it was very clear and give them all the reasons why I think it's not clear and and still arrive at different conclusions at the end, which uh, is fun, kind of in a similar way, not the exact same way, but a similar way to Under the Silver Lake, which we talked about. Uh, in our mm. very first episode of this uh, Good movie of the show where like th- there's a lot about that movie that doesn't get an explanation uh, and half the fun is trying to figure out where where you come down on that story and I think that's what makes this interesting so regardless of what should you care about Akash not necessarily but mm. should you care about how you feel about the what what happened yeah, I think that so for me I think that's kind yeah. of the point. So again, I think that's why if you can get into that mindset like like I did then this that's why I, I love this movie. But if you are yeah. wanting a more defined narrative conclusion or even like the hint of a narrative conclusion, then this is going to leave you wanting and uh and for and I think that's what like happened more with you guys. When when, I, <laughs> when I'm when I'm saying um if i like if i wasn't a cash if i cared more about a cash i would care more about the open-ended ending you know what i mean like i think open-ended um, um conclusions work best when you know inception does the does the does the thing does the what the, the top, top stop fall. spinning or not yeah. i care because i care about Cobb and i care about his family thing and and there's also a narrative about well it doesn't ultimately does it even matter whether it's a dream or not that's that's the camp i'm in yeah. yeah that's why i care about that twist ending but if if i didn't have an attachment to that narrative then it's just like oh cool cool twist but so wh- what are you what are you trying to tell me is what i'm missing i guess what i think what i think about this is that you are you're watching the movie under the impression that and this is how I watched it as well. You're under the impression mm. that the character you are following is Akash, yeah. and that you are seeing the world through Akash's eyes, or you know, eyes. No uh, pun intended. Yeah. But in in, <laughs> yeah. in reality, you are Sophie, right? And so the person that you know, you're 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 in Sophie's shoes, which is why you don't ultimately have that mm-hmm. attachment to Akash. I think at the end, because you know, and you're again. Not, I, I, I think it's a it, the shift in perspective is would once again would make a rewatch more interesting because I know where it's going so I'm looking for different things but on a first watch my instinct is try to find an emotional attachment to the main character to Akash yeah yeah and and so I I don't know, I I think that's very interesting and yeah and no, for I me mean, it's definitely maybe that's why I I I love it so much is because I think that mm-hmm. these like you know uh meta it's a, a really you know, fun movie to talk about looking look you're looking at this movie from above right mm-hmm. and i think that is very interesting about this movie yeah and so for me that makes a lot of the flaws of the actual movie uh i'm, I'm able to overlook those but uh right. i think this is one of those times where uh, you know josh and and Hugh, you hugo are much better at approaching movies from a uh a critical perspective than i am and so oh, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's true at all. Um, I, 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 really, I guess what I should say is I think that you don't let your own emotions necessarily sway you as I mean, much on it, a first you, watch. I mean, look <laughs> at my 
personal film to remember list and you will see the matrix reloaded in the top 10 so that's not true at all okay i I just think (laughs) (laughs) i think it just depends on what what you go into movies looking for and we get i think everyone watches things way more individually than they think and you attach yourself to things that uh, i think plot mechanics grizz are something that you really attach yourself to and, yeah, and enjoy it. in movies <laughs> and you know and and maybe for me the the intricacies of the plot aren't always what i i necessarily look for or, or aren't the, the the thing that grounds me into yeah. the world of movie that is basically what it boils down to we weigh things differently uh, exactly Josh. so yeah. yeah i like to i think what hugo's trying to say is i, I personally like when character drives plot right. and in this i think plot drives character yes you yes. know yep that's so, a really good way fun. to summarize it josh um, okay, well, so let's go ahead and, and uh, give our rankings here uh, to, to, to wrap up this week. Um, I'll go cool. Ahead, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give my ranking. Obviously, like I said, I love this movie, but I am not delusional. <laughs> <laughs> Again, our film to remember list has some heavy hitters on here. That's just yeah. like a fact of life. So uh, for me, I rank Andadun at... Uh, 27 on our list just after secret life of walter mitty which as we've already established is one of my favorite movies <laughs> so. right yes it is um and i put it at number 36 just behind um 33 34 35 is Charles chicago 7 matrix reloaded sweeney todd and then i put it right above space jam and slither so, which are two movies I really enjoy. I was gonna say, I, yeah. Again, I like Space Jam and I like Slither as well, but I think that's one of those lines in our list. We're like, okay, there's a different kind of movie. <laughs> I, I think I think that like it's it's gonna be hard for a movie to crack like the top ten moving forward, and I think it's also gonna be hard for a movie to crack the bottom ten pretty much. So yeah. I think everyone's gonna go. I think Space Jam's the line. Space Jam is the the Mendoza line there yes. moving forward. <laughs> Okay, and uh, I, where, where do you got it here? I would put it one stop, one spot higher. I would put it below the Matrix Reloaded, above Sweeney Todd. Um, I, I again, I think that I would enjoy this movie more on a rewatch, and I think talking about the movie is a lot of fun. So, did you watch this I'm with Julia the first time? I did not. No. Well, there you go. That's your rewatch. Watch it with the girlfriend. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so we have our rankings at 27, 35, and 36. That averages out to 32.6 repeating. So does that mean we put it at 33? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So below Mank. And above The Trial of the Chicago 7, which All right. Hugo's, I think, a little bit on board for. He loves when things are higher than Trial of the Chicago 7. I'm down with that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. There it is. Number 33. So that- Behind Chef, another round in Mank. And then on Dadun. Uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, what are we watching next week? Guys, I am so freaking excited for what we're going to watch next week. Um, we are going to watch Adaptation, directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman, starring Nicolas Cage, Chris Cooper, and Meryl Streep. And what's funny is, so like I have a list of... Um, films to remember that i want to cover at some point it's a long list and i like at this point i picked this like almost two months ago and i was looking at the list thinking like okay what's what's relevant right now that could be 
fun to talk about. And the reason I picked this is because uh, a, a Nick Cage trailer came out. I can't remember what the movie's called, but he basically plays himself it's in like, a movie coming out. And like the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh yeah, like yes, that. I saw that's that. that's trailer. correct. Yes, thank you. So. <laughs> That trailer came out, and I'm like, oh, I, I, so I was thinking about Nick Cage. So I'm like, okay, let's do adaptation and do, like, a Nick Cage-centered episode. But then, like, multiple things happened in the intervening two months that make this conversation even more relevant. Number one, Matrix 4 came out, which uh, we will talk about why Matrix 4 is relevant to the movie adaptation. And number two, uh, and don't look up, Meryl Streep plays a character named President Orlean. And in adaptation, she plays a character named Susan Orlean, which I can't imagine is a coincidence. I'm sure they yeah. were nodding to adaptation there within her character so um yeah uh if you haven't seen adaptation i think it was on hulu or something but holy cow i'm so excited to talk about with you guys it's gonna be a really fun episode so adaptation tune in next week okay awesome uh and as always please follow us at rtf pod i I swear we're gonna start tweeting out of there sometime and then (laughs) i'll I'll tweet this week and then i'll do some tweets and then uh, you can follow me at good game grizz i'm uh, also on twitch.tv slash goodgamegrizz. I'd love for you to follow me there. And I'd also really, really like for some people to follow me on Letterboxd because uh, I've been <laughs> writing a lot of reviews and I think they're pretty I solid. Do. And Josh and Hugo follow me yes. and they haven't unfollowed me yet, so it must be okay. Okay, Grizz, <laughs> you had a line in your review of Anhad Hoon that our mutual friend Islam uh, uh, showed me because he was like, the line says, it's best to go in blind. Yeah, in their brilliant yeah. movie. <laughs> it was great. We had such a laugh about it. It was, it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, Boo. <laughs> um, no, it was brilliant. Um, you can find me at Hugo underscore Pinay on Twitter, and you can find me at Hugo Pinay on Letterboxd. And I am going to be a regular monthly guest on Large Popcorn Podcast, which I mentioned before. Um, Christian is going to do like a movie club thing where he has some of his audience vote on movies that we're going to watch. And we're going to talk about them once a month. Um, the first movie is First by Park Chan-wook, which is a really creepy, hmm. weird film. Sweet. Josh. You can find me on Twitter at the Sloop Josh B. New handle, trying it out. On YouTube, Movies I Love, So Can You. I posted a video on the Birdcage last month that no one's watched, but thank you to the six of you who have. Uh, go watch that. Okay. Well, so that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us on Remember the Film. We'll see you next time for Adaptation. Woo, 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 woo. See you guys.